Hey everyone, this is Jeff Ford, your co-host. As you guys know, we record many of these episodes well in advance. Our topic today is on sleep. Now more than ever, sleep is so important to your mental, emotional, and your physical health. Also, I wanted to let you know that we're going to be hosting virtual half days. This will be like a mini taste of Skyterra. All of the proceeds will go to COVID relief. I hope you're doing well at home and please enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Inspired Intentions Podcast with Skyterra Wellness. If you've been too busy and not taking care of yourself, it's time to reset habits and plunge into your new normal. I'm your host, Jeff Ford, and I'm here today with my co-host, Rachel Colosino. Hi, Jeff. Hey, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Yeah? I think we should tell our listeners what the setting is right now. I think the lights are off. The lights are off. It is dark, completely dark. It's In compl- the podcast room. In the podcast bat cave. Yep. Yep. Alan wouldn't let us do this one with the lights on. <laughs> that executive producer, he's always he's always on us. Tells us what to do. Yep. Yep. It's helpful. I'm really excited about this topic, which is the topic of sound sleep. Yeah. So the lights being off actually makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah. There's a reason for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know as much about sleep as you do. So I'm actually really excited to learn from you today. I'm so excited to share with the world all my knowledge of sleep. This is going to be fun because I don't think you're alone, Rachel. I think a lot of people don't know, um, one, a lot of the nuances of sleep and why it's so important, uh, but two, how much they may be missing it in their life and Mm. how it could make drastic improvements for them if they dial this in. So you think if people listen today and make some of the changes you suggest, they're going to see changes pretty quickly in their lives? Chain reaction changes. When you think of sleep, if I were to go through any other habit of health that impacts your mental, emotional, and your physical health, sleep is number one on the list. Really? Number one on the list. And it's probably number one for longevity as well and, and the quality of life we live. So it's kind of that uh, redheaded stepchild of uh, um, health and wellness mm-hmm. where we always talk about food, we talk about fitness, but for some reason, sleep gets kind of brushed under the rug. It's underrated. Very underrated. Mm-hmm. Where would you like to start? Well, I think when it comes to sleep, we should start with uh, talking about why it's so important. Hmm. And there's really a, a few ways of breaking this down. Um, maybe like, let me ask you, Rachel, when you have that poor night sleep, what, how do you feel the next day? Like what effects kind of take over your day when you only got that five hours? How does that day look differently for you? Yeah. For me, it's always a delayed reaction. So I won't sleep well. And so I'll wake up, I'll feel okay. Mm -hmm. Still go through my morning routine. I will over caffeinate. Okay. Okay. Which. So you resort to stimulants. I sure do. And it's coffee. All right. All right. And um, I drink it black with coffee ice cubes in the iced coffee. Oh, wow. So there's... Do you freeze those while you're missing out on sleep? Is that what's happening? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. But I think a lot of people do that. I mean, we use coffee to wake up. Yes, we do. And that is something that's okay within reason. Mm -hmm. But we're going to definitely talk about where that might play a role. But so you resort to caffeine, resort to something a little bit more on the day after a poor night. Right. And then the second day after Mm -hmm. I haven't slept well is when I feel it the most. And it's just grogginess. I'm not able to focus. I'm not as productive as I normally am. Mm -hmm. Um, But I definitely notice. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I think lethargy definitely happens. Um, irritability is another side effect. Uh, that, that ability to focus like you're speaking to. And then even we want to talk about today, like how it may impact cravings and differences on our hunger and our appetite. Because when, when we miss sleep and we have that poor night, the symptoms that we experience on those preceding days and even the day after, uh, it's tried and true with what is actually happening physiologically in the body. Um, so it's pretty wild. There's a reason we can't think straight after we sleep. Really? Isn't that, isn't that ironic? Would you say everything's connected then? It is all connected. Uh, so you want to start talking about maybe those top three physiological Yeah, let's problems. do that. So right out of the gates, have you heard of daylight saving time? You I ever have. Heard that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in spring, what happens? Do we gain an hour or lose an hour? In spring, we lose an hour. We lose an hour. Now, would it surprise you at all that in ERs and hospitals that heart attacks and stroke rates increase by over 30% on that day? No. Yeah. Is that true? Pretty astonishing and true. And then in fall, when we fall back, uh, would it surprise you that heart attack rates, stroke, CVD incidences, cardiovascular disease, they actually decrease? On really? that day. And so this is something that most uh, listeners may have not heard of, but basically uh, daylight savings time is a 1 billion or more person experiment on how we can all actively stress out our bodies hmm. on one day in the year. And so when you think of lack of sleep, essentially what it is, is it's more stress on your body. So when you're sleep deprived, you start to be set up for a lot of other uh, issues that aren't always talked about or associated with sleep. There's even studies that uh, they've uh, tracked Japanese men. This is out of a book uh, called Why We Sleep by Mm. Matthew Walker. And they track, uh, it was a longitudinal study where there were about 4,000 people being tracked. And what they were looking at is would sleep rates, the the hours that these individuals were sleeping, uh, whether they were in that five to six hours or that um, seven and a half plus closer to that eight hour mark, would that when controlling for tobacco use, food, physical activity, would that uh, actually make a difference on their longevity and uh, incidence of heart attack? And Mm. so this all relates to stress is kind of what the picture I'm trying to paint in that uh, those who are only sleeping about five and a half hours per night, 400% increase in the likelihood of a heart attack. 400%? 400%. And that's when controlling for all the other major health factors. And that's what's interesting about sleep studies is most of them are really controlling for those variables that may actually impact you know, cardiovascular disease and these heart attack incidences. But we don't really realize that uh, you know, if you're getting less than six hours of sleep a night, uh, then you're running kind of on empty from a standpoint of this is impacting your body and specifically your cardiovascular system. I think too, um, are you saying that sleep studies are almost a pure testing environment for, if they're able to eliminate everything else that might contribute to poor health in the Mm -hmm. future? That's got to be pretty powerful. It is really powerful. And it just really paints the picture that when controlling for these other variables, which we know are still important, there are still issues Hmm. with those individuals. 
And so it's really kind of uh, showing that if, if we're not sleeping, stress gets high in the body, cortisol goes up, adrenaline, epinephrine, a lot of these stress hormones, and that impacts us on the internal level. Uh, sleep is one of those things you cannot make up. There, it d- does not exist. There's, you cannot make up sleep when you sleep in. So there's this concept called sleep depth where essentially there was always this idea that, oh, maybe I can sleep in longer on the weekends and, and make up for what I missed during the week. Um, but that uh, stress that we put on our body, if we're not getting seven and a half to eight hours a night, uh, really is far reaching. Uh, and it's kind of like how the stock market works, where your money's either in on that day or it's not. And you have that one opportunity to maybe make some money. And if it's not in there, then you actually won't make money. So that's how sleep sort of works is we've got to kind of prioritize that day um, because stress is one of those big impacts that uh, will ensue in our bodies. Well, that's really interesting because I think a lot of people think Mm -hmm. that, you know, during the week, obviously we're busier. Um, I'm just going to sleep late on Saturday or I'm going to sleep late on Sunday. And it's, it doesn't, you're saying it does not make up for the sleep that we've lost during the week. You cannot make it up. And so that is tried and true that there's been a lot of new research on sleep these days where, um, we only have the opportunity to get that number of sleep cycles in that evening. And so when you think of the evening time and really why those seven to nine hours, and that is what we're recommending, that's based off the National Sleep Foundation, between seven and nine hours is, is what you wanna shoot for. Seven and nine hours. Yeah, right, right in that ballpark. Um, our body is going through a lot of hormonal processes, a lot of recovery in the evening time. And so there's, there's a system in the body, it's called the glymphatic system. And there's also another system that more of our listeners have, have heard about, which is called the lymphatic system. Now, Rachel, you've heard of the lymphatic system. Mm-hmm. Do you have a $2 definition for what that system is kind of uh, in charge of on our body? I don't. You don't? It's okay. That's why I'm here. And that's <laughs> Thanks, why we're Jeff. co-hosts. <laughs> yeah. So the lymphatic system is kind of like your cellular waste system. Hmm. It's the drainage system in your body. So it works on your tendons, your ligaments, everything. So uh, organs, a lot of the different parts of the body. Now there's one system in our body and it's called the glymphatic system. That actually only works on one very specific part of your body. And thinking about those symptoms we described early in the episode, what part of your body does that one work on? And it's only, it's actually 20 times more active when you're asleep. Any guesses? Say your brain. It is your brain. Mm. Wow. Look at that listeners. Rachel Colosino crushing the question. Thanks to you, Jeff. That was amazing. I tried to set you up for that one. I know. Thank you. Yeah. And so the glymphatic system is in charge of kind of that waste dumping of the brain to really get uh, fresh things going again. And so when we look at that, it's important to remember that if we're not giving our body the rest it deserves, then we our, our memory is going to be lacking. Our performance the next day is going to be lacking, but even uh, more far reaching from a health consequence standpoint, uh, we're going to be actually more susceptible to age-related diseases. And age-related diseases are kind of uh, important to consider these days. Alzheimer's is the 10th leading cause of death. Mm. And so dementia, a lot of these things are actually more related uh, to lack of sleep. So that is another kind of harmful effect that that is uh, worth noting. Hmm. How does that play into to sleep cycles? Yeah, so sleep cycles, we could definitely go into more depth. Uh, for the nature of this conversation, it's nice to know the differenti- differentiation between non-REM and REM sleep. 
So everyone kind of prioritizes REM and they're like, oh, I better get my REM sleep. Even your Fitbit watch these days or these other watches are, you know, trying to track your sleep and the accuracy isn't necessarily there and it's not necessarily specifically telling you which uh, stages of sleep you're getting the most of. Um, but the, the first thing to remember is that uh, a sleep cycle is about 90 minutes in length, you know, and, and that's not, it. that actually changes throughout the night. So uh, it changes in regards to how long you're spending in non-REM and REM. So most people don't know this. As you start to sleep longer and longer, then you then part of that sleep cycle, you tend to have more REM, which is rapid eye movement. Rapid eye movement, the best way of understanding what section I'm in in a sleep cycle is when you're dreaming, that's gonna be more of that uh, REM sleep. Uh, Non-REM is actually really important for memory. Uh, so if you were to read something the night before, uh, you're, you would really uh, remember some of that because of non-REM sleep if you're giving your body within that seven to nine hours. Hmm. So that's a nice way of just breaking up what a cycle would look like. And there are different stages of non-REM, each kind of serving a different purpose, whether it is for the uh, memory side of things or something else. Okay. Yeah. Are, you, are you aiming for a certain number of sleep cycles? Is that why the seven to nine hours? Yeah, and it's why we'll even go to seven and a half. So if you think seven and a half, that could be about five cycles for that mm. evening if we're working in 90 minutes. So yeah, I mean, we don't want to, it's okay if you wake up in the middle of a cycle. But ideally, this is why you don't wanna hit snooze on your alarm clock because you'll actually go right back in trying to get you know through non-REM into REM and you're kind of starting the process over again. And that's what can actually lead to people being uh, more tired and more lethargic uh, when they're kind of pushing their body in and out. It's like one of those nights where you're waking up very frequently throughout the night and it tends to even have you more tired uh, the next day regardless of if you um, still got uh, that seven hours, you know? Mm -hmm. And we've talked before, I think in our, um, the importance of, of having a good morning routine episode, we talked mm -hmm. about how you, yes, use your phone as an alarm clock, but yes, mm -hmm. have it on the other side of the room and you don't hit snooze. So you're up and out of bed. Yep. Yep. when your alarm clock goes off. That's a great strategy, you know, finding some practical way where you're gonna just wake up right away and you're not gonna be kind of succumbing into wanting to stay in bed. Um, one, one other thing I wanna share just from, a, we've, we've hit a lot of the health scene and I think one that might be important for our uh, li listeners is insulin. And so insulin is a uh, hormone that's secreted from our pancreas. It helps our body uh, control blood sugars. And so say someone's going after a uh, like fat loss outcome or a weight loss outcome. If you're not getting within this ballpark range of sleep, you're already secreting higher levels of insulin throughout your day. And so when we think of this hormone, it's really important to understand that when we're having to secrete more insulin, it's making our body work harder. So essentially our body gets less effective at using energy. And if I'm chronically sleep deprived, there is usually a very much an association with the potential increases in blood sugars to where someone might then become type two diabetic. Hmm. Now, some of the research around this will actually show based off when individuals' circadian rhythms get tripped up, uh, night shift workers. So Jeff, like, what's a yeah. circadian rhythm? Okay, so let's back up to circadian rhythm. Um, and then we'll give you the nice science on the the night shift work Please. workers. Um, so circadian rhythm is basically the way we were supposed to uh, live in, in conjunction with the sun. 
So throughout your life, your circadian rhythms are actually changing. This is why in uh, high schools these days, they're pitching for a later start time, which is interesting. I don't think it's all based off kind of this reasoning, but when you're a teenager, your circadian rhythm is actually quite a bit different than when you're an adult. It's actually still kind of developing. And what that means is that typically why teenagers don't want to go to sleep at night is because they're really wired at that time in the evening. So when we think of the circadian rhythm, it starts to normalize, you know, after the age of 25 about, uh, but a circadian rhythm can be different for a few of us. Uh, we could go into depths of like where someone's more of an owl and someone's more of a lark, but essentially it's really that stretch that you're going to be awake in rhythm to when certain things are going to uh, fire in the body. And one thing specifically is that melatonin release. Mm. So what we want to make sure of is if that, if we're working in line with the sun, we're work, our bodies are, are sleeping and waking uh, when, when we were naturally supposed to, then that melatonin is going to, fire at the right time where we're going to get sleepy and we're going to start to go to sleep. Um, however, if that circadian is tripped up, then you might have a higher core body temperature in the middle of the night or uh, your melatonin might not be firing at the right time or your body might not be producing uh, as much of it. Hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot to it. There really is. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, I know you're going to talk about the study with the night shift workers. I have worked in the past in um, nursing home environment, which requires 24-7 staffing. Mm -hmm. And the 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. shift workers who worked mm -hmm. that on a consistent basis were always more likely to call out for oh, illness-related yeah. reasons. Yeah, like even the immune system yeah. was compromised. Yeah. 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 Do you know, uh, it's, uh, in, it's not flu shot season right now. However, do you know the five days before your flu shot and your sleep quality is really important for really? your body to actually produce antibodies. So, uh, if you only get like four or five hours of sleep, the five days preceding a flu shot, you only develop like 50% of the antibodies where mm. versus if you got that eight or nine hours, you'll actually get a lot more uh, of that working in your body. So there's some interesting uh, kind of play with, with how your immune system is so much stronger when you're giving your body the uh, rest it des deserves. So five days before you're scheduled for a flu shot, mm -hmm. make sure you're getting seven and a half, get eight, that sleep. nine Be hours. Yeah, specific with it. Even say if you got an operation coming up, it's really important to get that body ready. Like you, you would see lower white, white cell blood counts most likely in someone who's sleep deprived. So mm. that's kind of a nice indicator to, to recognize that our immune system, it's like we've talked about so many systems of the body is impacted by whether you are resting. Mm. Yeah. So night shift workers. Yeah. Punchline. Did you know that if you're a doctor uh, or a nurse who works the night shift, you've got, you know, over a 30 or 40% increased likelihood of getting type two diabetes. Really? And it's all based off messing with that circadian rhythm. Because like we were referring to earlier, our body um, starts to over secrete insulin and then uh, we have difficulty manage, managing blood sugars. And that is kind of the biggest relationship that's important because insulin's kind of that master hormone. It allows a lot of the other hormones to kind of do their job uh, effectively. Mm. Deep, huh? That you, is deep. Do you want to get into some of the problems? I do. As but far I, as some action steps to those problems that yeah, may be getting in the way? I do. I just want to pause for a second, though, because if you're thinking about doctors and nurses who work in a healthcare environment, mm -hmm. 
and and I and I understand again that we need those twenty four seven staff, especially in a hospital type of situation. But um, you know, is it better for someone to stay consistently on an overnight shift? Does that get your body more used to those rhythms, or should you try to try to cycle off the shift? as much as possible? I think that's a difficult question. One, we want those individuals to be helping us out at yeah. those times for sure. However, the human body was not designed to be awake when the sun was down. Hmm. And sadly, you could stay and be consistent with that rhythm. I think it makes sense if that's the world that um, that's your occupation, that's where you have to be. However, the likelihood of... Uh, the impact that's going to have on your health, it can actually even impact uh, breast cancer. Really? Where in nurses there's uh, who work the night shift, mm. there's higher rates and incidence rates. So um, sadly, night shift work is kind of uh, not great for uh, many diseases. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Mm. Um, <clears throat> sun exposure. Yeah, so let's talk about the three big problems. There's three problems out there. Um, one people are overexposed to artificial light. Two, they're not getting outside. So that's where your question about sunlight exposure comes in. And then three, we are working and asking way too much of our bodies. And this is why, you know, I find this funny. Um, do you have ever hear someone brag to you about how much sleep they're getting? Like, does anyone ever come up to you and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm getting 10 hours of sleep every night. Do you, do you ever hear that? I've never heard that. What do you typically hear, Rachel? What do people love to talk about? They love to, to talk sleep? about how little they can sleep. How little they can sleep. So it's kind of that badge of honor. And that's the issue is like we are pushing work. We're pushing uh, this imbalance of work life, you know, speed up, speed up, speed up. And that actually is probably the biggest lead indicator to someone's sleep quality is how they're living there every day. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to be clear is as we get into some of these strategies today, don't think you can just do one thing that will instantly getting, get you sleeping better. A lot of it reverts back to, we've got to get that circadian rhythm back going. So you can kind of reset that body and make sure that, uh, you are really getting the timing down. That's, that's super important. So you want to start with the big problem? Let's yeah. You know, let's go to sunlight exposure. That's yeah. what you were most interested in to start with. Have you um, ever gone to the beach like all day or been on a boat like all day? I sure have. Yeah. How did you sleep that night? I slept great. Did you? Yeah. So do you know there's actually science behind this of why you slept so good? Really? Yeah. So first things first, uh, the average office worker these days only gets about 15 minutes of direct sunlight exposure. So we wonder why we have mental health issues. Yeah, especially during the winter too, especially right? Especially during yeah. the winter. So like seasonal affective disorder. Uh, this has a huge relationship with being in a circadian rhythm and then also uh, sunlight exposure. So the sun works really interestingly where the sunlight uh, actually communicates with what's called your hypothalamus. Kind of the master gland uh, is, is a nickname for it. The hypothalamus then, oh wait, let me make sure I'm getting this right. Yes, the hypothalamus then secretes serotonin. And you've heard of serotonin. Serotonin is like that neurotransmitter. It's yeah. that feel good. Yep. And then it talks, serotonin talks to the penile gland. And this is kind of going off that example of you've been at the beach all day. 
This is what your body's doing. Sunlight, hypothalamus, serotonin, and now we're at the penile gland because you're getting a lot of that healthy sunlight. So the penile gland produces what? Melatonin. Yeah. And so basically how we're living in the day, if we're not getting direct sunlight exposure, then we are literally not banking that melatonin to release at the right time in the evening. And so that's why sunlight exposure as early in the day as you can get it is a good thing to think about. Uh, We recommend trying to get at least 30 minutes at least 30 minutes trying to build to an hour of sunlight exposure. And your next question might be, what if it's cloudy out? Still going to actually be beneficial uh, for your sleep. Sure. And for that production. Did that answer your question about sunlight exposure? Yeah, it did. I mean, but again, back, you know, we started talking about daylight savings time. Mm -hmm. Um, During the winter, I mean, we're coming out of the winter, but during the winter, it can be difficult because sometimes the sun doesn't rise until seven. Yep. Even after seven. Yeah. Sunsets, you know, during late December, it can set 430, mm-hmm. 420. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's still plenty of time for people to get outside. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. That time of year, you know, you got to really think like we are now keyboard warriors these days. And so yeah. uh, we, we don't really realize the impact this is having. Uh, so you could do something like getting outside at, at your lunch break for 30 minutes. I know it gets cold. I know the environment you might be in, living in gets hot. Just getting outdoors for even 15 minutes at, t- at a time a couple days a week. Uh, uh, sorry, within that day, couple, uh, we want to do this every day. But a couple times within that day is, is definitely still doable. What about, have you seen those um, light bulbs that mimic sunlight? Yes. Are those effective? Yeah. So the research is anecdotal right now. I actually haven't looked into it to the great degree that I need to, but most of these uh, sleep studies and sleep books are, are not recommending that you can just replace sunlight with, um, you know, a special sunlight optics lamp sure. on your desk necessary, necessarily, but I don't think it hurts. I don't think it's harmful. Mm. It's at least a step in the right direction. Yeah. So thinking about light, you mentioned artificial light. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about <clears throat> light from fluorescent light bulbs in offices, as well as the amount of time that we spend looking at computer screens on our phones? I, th- I think I'm more concerned with the latter. However, both are important to consider, specifically when the sun goes down. Mm. So how many years have we been living with this amount of light and this amount of technology? Not very long. Not very long when you think about it. So it's uh, 2020 now. Maybe the, you know, 1900s, 1915, 1920, right around there is when lights and cities started to become commercialized. And this this is kind of uh, an issue when you think about it is we've only been living with light for maybe 100 years. And at the, the pace we have it now, what it's doing is it's triggering a lot of uh, dopamine to be released. Mm. So dopamine, the nickname for this neurotransmitter is alertness. So anytime we're engaging in uh, lots of technology, lots of light in the evening time, once the sun has gone down, you are basically telling your body that it should be awake. And so that can make it really difficult to get to sleep. I've had Mm. folks come to our sleep course and they are reading their tablets for three to four hours prior to bed and they are explaining that they can't sleep. Mm. That's kind of a nice little lead indicator to start to kind of peel away that technology. Um, so yeah, it, it, it is a big problem. How do you fix that? So I think you have to stay realistic with it. Uh, everybody likes television programs. Do you like television programs, Rachel? I do. What's your favorite? 
You know, I've been watching 90 Day Fiance. If we're going to talk about trashy TV, which we should. I think our executive producer watches like so many different trashy TV shows. I heard he likes the Kardashians. Does he? Does he really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw him actually checking his Instagram a second ago. I think he only follows the uh, Kardashians on Instagram. I'm Mm. pretty sure. That's wild. As long as they're drinking a caramel latte, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, yeah. So as far as television programs go, putting on uh, putting on like some blue light blocking glasses and being realistic about it. So, you know, a brand we like is Swanee's. Um, There's actually even most optometrists these days are are, have the ability to build in blue light blocking lenses to individuals glasses. So just a small step like that, I Mm -hmm. think is uh, super awesome. Uh, I see uh, definitely an anecdotal difference between my sleep quality when I'm wearing the glasses uh, prior to bed, watching a couple of TV shows. Sure. But still, if you're doing four to five hours of technology use and you're really close to that uh, blue light, you're going to be running into a bit of trouble regardless. What about um, turning out lights in your home? I think that's a nice small step and mm. it will probably save your energy bill. Oh, look at that. Yeah. So you're it's a kinda, win-win. win-win for sure. Uh, anything you can do, like you, you just want to kind of set the stage that it is time for your body to slow down. It is time for your body to go to sleep. And technology is kind of that thing that we've all done this where we've been on that cell phone, we've been on it and we thought we were going to only be there for five minutes and we ended being there for 15 to 20 minutes. And that there is that response that is internally impacting us. So it makes it very difficult to kind of turn off and uh, unwind that brain. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, what about this idea of us, you know, working more that, that not sleeping is a badge of honor? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've talked before, as I mentioned, the importance of a morning routine. Would you recommend or do you follow an evening routine based on the clock so that you make sure that you're getting your number of hours of sleep every night? Yeah, I think it's a nice question to, to consider. Uh, we live in a boundaryless world. What you accept, your body will tolerate. And if you accept answering your phone, if you accept staying glued into your work, if you accept uh, handling other people's responsibilities or other people's emergencies, emergencies or priorities, yeah, or priorities yeah. then you're you're going to run into a little bit of trouble specifically in the evening time and what i like to kind of remind folks of to to kind of create this boundary is that you have to have a transition time from work to home and every single day isn't going to necessarily be perfect there may be weeks when you're working more but the average american these days or excuse me 20 percent of americans are literally working 10 plus hours or more these days. And it is kind of uh, a problem because we're asking so much of our bodies. And if we're thinking about that evening time, really those two hours prior to when you're aiming to go to sleep, you should be really clear with what you want out of those two hours. So if you've got a relationship, you know, one of those relationships that really riles you up, you probably don't need to be calling that person at that point in time. It's really like figure out the boundary, whether there's a boundary between work or that person in your life, that family member, that friend. It's not like that's a bad thing. It's not that you're not going to care for them, but we have to really know that uh, most emails after nine o'clock at night and most phone calls are not amazing. No, they're really not. So yeah, that, that would kind of be what I would think about is protect those two hours prior to bed. Similar to what you might do in the morning is protect those two hours uh, in the morning. 
Do you do any kind of routines that signal to your body we're getting close to sleep? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing you can do is try to at least remove one piece of technology. So whether that's like when you're watching TV, maybe you don't have your cell phone next to you while you're watching TV. Uh, However, like a simple routine that is part of kind of... uh, some of the strategies out there is to time a warm bath or shower uh, within that one to two hours prior to bed. Mm. This is really good for the nervous system and it can be, you know, the temperature isn't as big of a deal, but a warm shower is fine. You could even do like a cold hot contrast of like two minutes hot or warm and one minute cold. Mm -hmm. Do something like that three times. That's a nice way for your nervous system to really uh, calm down. So it's kind of a a switch and how it helps is it'll actually help change your body temperature at the right time. We were talking about circadian rhythms and part of circadian rhythms is when your body temperature should be warm and when it should be cool. And when we're sleeping, our body temperature should be nice and cool. So the shower can help or a bath. Absolutely. Yeah. So that would be one thing you could throw in there to to kind of signal your body in the evening time. Hmm. Mm -hmm. What about... um you know, I've, I've heard of people who don't have any kind of electronics in the bedroom at all. Mm -hmm. Um, how, what kind of recommendations do you have for how you set up, you know, the place where you sleep? Yeah. So bedrooms, bedroom basics. Uh, I think a lot of folks have heard strategies about the bedroom. Um, one of the keyest strategies to remember is there's only two things you should do in your bedroom. Do you know what those two things are, Rachel? Uh, tell me, Jeff. (laughs) Are you sure you want to (laughs) know? I don't think she wants to know. Well, one of them is sleeping. Yep. And the second thing is adult activity. Yeah. (laughs) So you want to make sure that your bedroom is really set up for like the only things you're going to do in mind. If you have a desk in your bedroom and everything's cluttered and everything's kind of a mess, you're not signaling to your body that, hey, this is a sanctuary. This is where I calm down. This is where I get to uh, replenish and get that glymphatic drainage that I'm wanting. Uh, So really, you've heard blackout curtains before. Mm. Uh, We want to make sure our room and a nice little trick, and we can basically tell that this room isn't dark enough because I can see my hand as I wave it in front of Mm -hmm. me. So waving your hand in front of you is a good way. If you can see your hand in your bedroom, then your bedroom is is not dark enough. Mm. Uh, So that's a nice little trick for listeners. Um, You could even think in the bedroom, you definitely want a nice mattress. You don't want to wear a lot of clothing to bedroom. You want to be loose fitting. You want to be comfortable. And then uh, even noise can be important for some people. There's a lot of folks who sleep with their television currently. Mm -hmm. Uh, We definitely want to remove that. All electronics should actually be six feet away in the bedroom, no matter what. Uh, And just in general, that'll help with the blue light scenario. Sure. Uh, But yeah, you definitely want to maybe have a sound device or lift up a window to get some natural sounds going if that's going to help you fall asleep as well. Excellent. Um, What about should your bedroom be warm? Should it be cool? Yeah. So we talked a little bit about that timing of the shower, which is going to help the body temperature. So the fun fact here is that folks who are sleep deprived or diagnosed as, as an insomniac, someone who's really sleep deprived, you know, that rhythm's really off. uh, And that can be for a number of reasons. They tend to have higher core body temperatures in general. So if you're having trouble sleeping, your core body temperature is most likely higher than individuals who are, who are uh, 
or getting quality sleep, mm -hmm. getting, getting more sleep. So, uh, you definitely want to keep your thermostat anywhere between 60 and 68. Uh, I remember we had a guest, she stayed with us. This was probably, man, this is about a year ago now. And, uh, she's from Florida. Guess what? She was keeping the thermostat at in her home, Florida. 62, 62. She was struggling with sleep though, Rachel. 80. 82. <laughs> 82. Yeah. And so that's kind of a problem. Uh, we, we were going through some of these strategies and that's, that's a big no-no. Uh, I definitely know you want to save your energy bill a little bit. However, uh, yeah, getting 68 or less uh, nice and low is, is definitely a good uh, route to take. Hmm. Yeah. Have you heard of the chili pad? You can actually no. get a mattress top to even cool your bed if you don't want to change your thermostat. It's called the chili pad? Yeah, chili pad. Yeah, I think they're, they're actually pretty reasonable. We haven't purchased one yet. However... What's the material? Uh, it's basically just a mattress top, and it comes highly recommended in many resources out there. We at the uh, Inspired Intentions podcast get no kickbacks we from Chili We don't, not from Swannies, not, not from Chili no, Pad. No, these are just but things But I am making found. a list. Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> we might have to reach out. We'll, we'll make our executive producer reach out as long as he doesn't tell them what uh, drink he selects. Exactly, at, uh, or who shops. he follows on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So we, anyways, um, we want to make sure, uh, that where, where are we? I'm sorry. Chili pad. Chili pad. Yeah. Purchasing something like that. I was explaining that, uh, we have a lot of guests who have tried this out and they swear by it. Mm. I've got quite a few responses back where folks have gotten some of this education around this and it's been that thing that has really helped keep their body cool. And so, uh, postmenopausal women just in general, uh, hormonally things are changing and body temperatures go up. So figuring out ways to keep the body cool can be really effective for, for keeping people to stay asleep as well in, mm. in the evening time. Mm. Yeah. So keep your bedroom cool. Cool. And or find something that will keep your mattress cool. Lots of options. So let's go back to one of my favorite topics, which is coffee. Oh, and caffeine. There. Let's yeah. talk about it. Yeah. So here, here's the deal. Most people talk about melatonin like we have uh, today. Melatonin is one of those key hormones that does help you really get to sleep. There's this other hormone out there. It's called adenosine. You ever heard of adenosine? I haven't. Yeah, so adenosine is really very similar to melatonin where we, we want to build it up throughout the day through living a life that is not super stressful and not too asking too much of our body. And it's also living a life where we don't uh, do things that block the adenosine response. And one of those things is actually caffeine. So whenever we're drinking caffeine close to bedtime, and this, this is variable, depends on the person. There's lots of research around this where some people are low responders and some people are high responders. Uh, what that means is some people can have caffeine a little bit closer to bedtime and it's not that big of a deal. However, uh, caffeine basically blocks that adenosine response so that your body um, will tend to, to not uh, start to downregulate. And so with that, it, it obviously it's a stimulant. We want to try to cut caffeine off by 2 p.m. Whether you're a Red Bull drinker or a, or a regular coffee drinker, just trying to keep it before 2 p.m. is a good call. Uh, there's many other ways of doing this where you could even cycle coffee. So you could do three days of caffeine, two days without. Have you done that? I have not because I really like coffee. Same. Yeah. There's any, even another strategy. Have you heard of this one? Drink coffee for two months straight and then take a month off. Wow. Yeah. 
And so different ways of playing it that if you're someone who's really struggling with sleep, I would start to kind of go through this checklist today and see where you start, but don't discount those first big three that we spoke about because those are those are kind of the lead indicators is to be able to have that that key boundary around bedtime is is crucial. And the the main three are sun exposure. Yes. Screen time. Yep. And the amount of hours that you're sleeping every night. The amount of hours you're working every day. Oh, you're the working. Problem. So yeah, artificial light, the sunlight, and those work hours. But yeah, we definitely want to make sure we fall within the seven to nine hours as far as sleep goes. Those are some good ones. Those are the biggest problems, but there, there are a few more strategies. Let's talk about them. Let's do it. One of our favorite topics, which is exercise and movement. Yes. Yeah. So timing. Timing is super important when it comes to physical activity. Now, of course, the best time is always going to be when you can do it. However, what you want to think about is this research study out of Appalachian State, Boone, North Carolina. I believe our executive executive producer, is he from there? He's the most famous person from Boone. Yeah. This might trickle all the way back there. Very cool. So what they did is they, uh, they uh, split up a group of students and they had these students work out at different times. And then what they did with these students is they hooked up uh, sleep monitors and sleep machines to them while they were sleeping so they could record brain waves. And basically there were uh, three different workout times. There was the 7 a.m. group, 1 p.m. in the afternoon group, and then the 7 p.m. group. This, I believe, was about a six to eight week study. And what they found at the end of this time period after taking in those recordings, even when you're measuring sleep, you can do MRIs on folks these days. And you can uh, actually, you can even tell if you're getting into an, a study advanced, it's a little bit of a sidebar. Uh, you, can, you can tell what people are dreaming about, whether it's a person, whether it's a car, you can actually tell what people are dreaming about now. It's getting that in depth. That's um, crazy. You can't tell who they were thinking about though. So that's good news. You can tell they were thinking about a person, but there's no identifiers. Mm. Anyways, back to the ex exercise side of things. Conclusively, 75% deeper delta waves in the brain in that 7 a.m. group. Mm. So we are saying that morning exercise is definitely better than late evening exercise. And this has to do with intensity. So when you think of circadian rhythm, um, the highest blood pressure spikes are actually gonna be in the morning in the body. And also your highest stress levels just naturally in the body are gonna be due to uh, uh, cortisol, just mainly being high naturally. So in the morning time, our body is naturally gonna be a little bit more wired. So by working out at that time and giving it some positive use stress, our body actually will then get tired in the evening. And it kind of makes sense if you do something physical very much in the morning, you're probably going to be tired at the end of the day. But yeah, uh, we would recommend trying to do any of your higher intensity workouts, strength training, anything like that before noon. That makes sense. Yeah, pretty cool, huh? It's really cool. Yeah. It supports how I work out. So that's important. And I think you work out like that too. I do work out like that. Yeah. Except for when we do little movement snacks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll have to make sure we keep the intensity down. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about adult beverages? I think it's kind of important. Yeah, I do, actually. Yeah. So do you consume adult beverages? I are do. Are you like one of those people? Are you one of those people? I think the majority of people are. I think okay, they are. Okay, if you don't, we are a program that accepts all, even if you're not enjoying no judgment. adult beverages. If you are enjoying adult beverages, you need to know 
that we are recommending you start day drinking. Yes, <laughs> that's what we said. Uh, and heard it here first. You heard it here first. We would like you to day drink and just make sure you sign the waiver before you do that. We're totally playing. Um, here's the deal with this. Alcohol needs to be cut off at least three hours prior to bed. Uh, it, it definitely needs to be consumed responsibly as well. Mm-hmm. And the, the issue with it is even five or six hours prior to bed, it's going to obstruct your sleep quality. So what it does is it actually doesn't allow your body to get into those deeper REM cycles. So I was explaining earlier how as you get to go go to sleep, you're going through non-REM and longer lengths in the beginning, and then you get longer lengths of REM sleep towards the end. So basically when someone wakes up with a hangover or a headache, um, it's actually due a lot of the time, well, dehydration is one, but two, uh, they've missed going through an entire, maybe even they haven't even gone through uh, entire sleep cycles because it obstructs the body that much. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, definitely the cocktail hour is a little bit better for those one or two drinks. And we would recommend, you know, a couple days a week, because I know there's research out there that a a glass of wine a day is not a big deal. However, when it comes to your sleep quality, it definitely will, uh, obstruct it. Hmm. Yeah. So a couple nights a week, do it with the friends. It's a happy hour. Yeah. Nice way to play it. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk a lot about Skyterra at home on this mm-hmm. podcast because mm-hmm. it's such a resource-rich website. Um, what would you recommend for folks who are, you know, really, you know, we, taking the tips that we've given, um, what kind of routines would you recommend they look for on Skyterra at home? To help with sleep? To help with sleep. Yeah, so any of the meditations, any of the breath work, any of the connect practices, doing that kind of stuff prior to sleep and putting it in that two hour window, like we were explaining, is a nice way of getting disconnected from technology and then tapping into that parasympathetic system. Mm. So when we think of the nervous system, sympathetic, flight or fight, parasympathetic, rest and relax, breath work and any of these quick videos that we have could get you into that state so that you can sleep a little bit better in the evening. So yeah, take five to 10 minutes, some of those routines are quick. Uh, quick tip, longer exhales and holding your breath will actually get your body more into a sleep state. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot to that though. We might need to do sleep part two one day. I think we should. Yeah. You've given us a lot today, Jeff. This has been really great. You're welcome, Rachel. I'm a little sleepy. Are you sleepy? I think, <laughs> I think maybe part two, we'll put the lights on because we definitely have not been triggering dopamine this entire episode. Mm. I feel like we're, we're starting to get that melatonin response. Yeah. You know, the maybe, timing's there. Maybe we should go so we can go take a nap. Let's do it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jeff. You're so welcome. The Inspired Intentions podcast is a production of Skyterra Wellness. Special thanks to Alan Broyhill, our executive producer. Send us your questions and comments to inspiredintentions at skyterrawellness.com. Rate and review us. Give us five stars on iTunes and everywhere podcasts can be found. And if you aren't going to give us a five-star review... Just keep it to yourself. Just sleep on it. Yes. Oh, sleep See on it. See what I did there? That was good. That was good. <laughs> I surprised myself. <laughs> Join us next week as we cut through the unrealistic noise on diets and fitness and show you how healthy living fits seamlessly into your already busy life. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome, Rachel. Rachel.